0: Hey everybody, it's Jacqueline and Alana. And here's another episode of Black and Yellow. Woohoo! Happy Chinese New Year. Happy Year of the Ox, Black and Yellow Nation. We are back for another delicious episode of Black and Yellow. If you've been in this lovely mm-hmm. digital colorful nation we call the Black and Yellow Nation, Welcome back, we are happy to have you, and if you're new to the nation, what's good? Welcome in, happy to have you, and we hope you enjoy what you
1: hear. Yeah, so February, uh, it's the month that just won't quit. It's Chinese New Year, it is also Black History Month, and to any of our Creole Ooh. or New Orleans-based listeners, Mardi Gras is right around the corner, woo-woo! Uh, It is February 16th, so though it will look different this year, Mardi Gras, I mean, um, coming out of last month, any reason to celebrate is a good reason to celebrate. We're taking them all. (laughs) However, when it comes to celebrating cultural holidays in quarantine, holidays like Chinese New Year, Mardi Gras, Purim for any of our Jewish listeners, the celebrations can be somewhat bittersweet since... Being in quarantine has made many of us feel disconnected from our cultural bases, whether those bases are family and loved ones, going to the place of worship that you regularly would go to if the world was operating uh, normally, that, felt, that feels weird to say at this point, or uh, just engaging in a city that you love as a patron. For many of us, lockdown has been a time to evaluate our connection to our culture in an effort to keep those bonds strong and thriving.
0: Yeah, I think we touched upon this a little bit throughout the year, uh, last year, I mean, in terms of holidays and feeling disconnected or, you know, not so close to our family members or to our grandmothers or to many people that really bring in that culture for us or exude that culture um, for many of us. And um, I don't know about you, but there have been times throughout this, this year, this past year that I felt like, you know, it was all one tone. Like there wasn't, there was no ebbs and flows. And like holidays looked very different. And um I'm sure Chinese New Year is looking different for a lot of people, people who want to <laughs> cook, maybe can't cook, um, maybe can't experience the foods that they normally would. Um, and so I, I've definitely felt like I've wanted to celebrate and go big and like go all like out with things culturally. And I we just weren't able to this past year.
1: Yeah, no, I feel that this month specifically is generally the month, because it is Black History Month, that I make an effort to go out and about and be engaged with as much uh, of Los Angeles as possible. Like, I like to go and see as much Black art as possible. I like to go to my favorite Black neighborhoods, support local business, eat delicious foods, things of that nature. And I'm not really getting to do that. And there's a part of me that's feeling... um, like my black history month, uh, it feels like the carbonation has left the, 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 the water. Does that make mm. sense? Like, it doesn't feel as like sparkly. I feel like I like, I'm taking a sip of La Croix a day after opening it kind of thing. It doesn't feel as effervescent and alive, but that's how I felt last year too. Like I felt like, uh, staying connected to my specific family culture lacked a lot. And I felt like I had to, uh, fill in the whole the recipe holes if I wanted to make a cultural dish I felt like I had to spend many hours on phone calls learning about maybe a recipe that I never even actually got to learn about but I would end up learning about like family history stuff which is cool in its own way yeah cool in its own way but I definitely felt sort of stagnant and stunted culturally during various times of 2020.
0: Yeah I'm sure you're definitely not the only one feeling that way uh, so, Chinese New Year is a holiday of family and loved ones coming together. It's loud. It's crazy. It's fun. Um, we're all preparing and eating delicious food. There's red elo- envelopes, elephants. Oh my gosh. That's not it. Um, <laughs> red envelopes. I don't know why my mouth wanted to say elephants. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome though. If we have like red elephants
1: running around. Yeah, talk about giving the talk about painting an elephant red and giving it to someone as a sign of good fortune. Oh my god, you have good fortune forever. But actually, I have a question. So <laughs> the red envelopes, are those going to be flying around this year for Chinese New Year? Like that feels like a tradition that can't go dormant.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Red envelopes will probably the the elders will give it to the young ones. Um uh, that that is. I don't think that gets impacted by, by by. I mean, maybe there'll be less. So I don't know if uh, people always needing to give a lot might feel like a, like a breather. Like uh, yeah, I don't have ooh. to, you know, give away secretly. They might be feeling that. I don't know if they're feeling a little bit of Asian guilt ah. as they think that. <laughs> but I family there? gatherings are much smaller. What did you say? Are they going to be in the Asian guilt cave? I know, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Quite possibly. <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, okay. I mean, knowing <laughs> certain relatives or Asian culture, they might still give red envelopes, Um, but they just might be later. Mm-hmm. You know, they might drop it off or they might give them like a couple weeks later. But that that is still probably um going to happen because who doesn't like red envelopes?
1: Got it. Uh, yeah, who doesn't want good fortune and good luck all year long? I mean, I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, similar to Chinese New Year, Mardi Gras is a time when family and friends come together, party, and celebrate Fat Tuesday by eating lots of rich, indulgent food before uh, fasting for the lean season of Lent. I think when people think of Mardi Gras, they also think of brightly colored beads and exposed breasts. Um, And I don't know if that's going to be happening in New Orleans this year just saying.
0: Yeah. So these are two holidays that are steeped in culture and tradition. And one of the easiest shortcuts to keeping those traditions alive is through food, cooking, cultural dishes, mm-hmm. making drinks and libations traditionally consumed during these holidays. And hopefully stocking your freezer with leftovers is a great mm-hmm. way to strengthen cultural bonds or create them in quarantine.
1: Yeah. Now is the time to learn mom's dumpling recipes. Now is the time to learn your aunt's gumbo recipe, secrets and all. Now is the time to maintain cultural bonds through food. Because let's be real, most people are not traveling, but we all got to eat. So why not use this time to learn about your family's cultural history and the food that nourished your family for decades? Just saying. We have a great guest on who was a blast to talk to, but fair warning. This episode may make you very, very hungry. I know by the end of this conversation, Jack and I's bellies were a cacophony of like hungerous, ravenous noises. So, fair warning if you are listening to this on an empty stomach, maybe take a pause, grab a snack. You're going to love this guest. Um, But before we chop it up about food, get it? Chop. Get Mm. it. Mm. Ha ha ha. ha, ha. Seems a lot more funny at 1130 at night, I'll tell you. Uh, (laughs) Let's put our money where our mouth is, shall we?
0: Let's do it. (laughs) So if you guys are new to the show, if you guys are returning listeners, we all know we have our little spotlight segment where we like to put our money where our mouth is we like to support local non-local black asian women female-owned businesses small businesses um it's our form of economic protest it's our form of diversifying your dollars we all know we vote with our money so with that being said in the spirit of chinese new year um, Ooh, I'm sure some people have heard about them. Um, they launched their company a couple years ago, um, and I featured them on our on our um, Instagram page. I think a lot like years ago, but I wanted to talk about them again, especially because we didn't do our small business segment then. Um, mm-hmm. They're called East Meets Dress, and yes, yeah, and. I most likely will buy my wedding dress from them. I know that for a fact. And if not a wedding dress, then a dress <laughs> <laughs> um, A for sure. Um, so they're Asian American. They are so relatable, especially for me who is Asian American. Um, I love their little bit um, over here on their website. They say we are Asian Americans. We have high expectations for ourselves, our future And the products you buy. We were taught straight A's only come to those who work hard. We straddle between two worlds and two words asian and american we love dancing our hearts out to beyonce on friday nights but love a good dim sum and egg tart in the morning after we carry with us traditions from our parents generation but aren't afraid to re- redefine them into something we embrace we are grateful for our parents sacrifices but don't sacrifice our own path or style for their approval whether we speak chinglish or not we demand to be heard <gasps> <laughs> um really well said um so it started yeah. with their own stories of having um struggles to find their own wedding dresses um specifically traditional chinese dresses called um cheap um which are beautiful and there's so many different variations and they get really creative um so all of their pieces are made to order um, and I didn't know, like, they must have really, like, branched out and gone crazy because they have, like, so many different types now. They have it for mothers. They have, like, last-minute dresses. Um, they can send Ooh. you, a, um, like, a sample box so you can try, like, two dresses If because of, I think, the pandemic and, you know, needing to, like
1: um switch up how they do business direct to consumer.
0: Right, right. Um by category, by silhouette, they have a whole area on the website where you can educate yourself about the history of chepas and how to wear them in the one on one. And it's just like really really well thought out. Um they even have now suits for men. Um so yeah, they have so much and I think it's so amazing because I think when they first came out, I remember going on their website a couple years ago and like they only had like five dresses um yeah so i love they ha- too right so now they have accessories um they have um those beautiful like hairpins like those chinese style hairpins that go in the bun yes. yeah so
1: wow shout out to east meets dress like what a Amazing. great pandemic pivot to essentially expand the entire line because look people let's look married. right? like like People still need to get dressed to get married. Uh, Great on them. And P.S., if anyone is listening, East Meets Dress, if you need a model, I'm just saying Jackie is here. I sure (laughs) am. All right. So we're going to stick with the, the very specific holidays of the moment. You do Chinese New Year. I'm sticking with Mardi Gras. I chose the company Box of Care at box of care Nola on, uh, IG, but I have been on a serious care package kick these days. I think because we are essentially, uh, relegated to sending gifts that are either food-based or thing-based as opposed to like experience-based gifts that we could send, uh, (laughs) pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like I'm being extra thoughtful about, the shit quite frankly that i send people because i want to make sure people can enjoy it use it and it's not going to collect dust i mean i'm just saying and i feel like a care package sort of ticks all of those boxes So Box of Care was created by Jonathan Floyd, born in Louisiana, who has always had a passion for the unique and soulful city of New Orleans. By channeling his creativity, he developed a vision to spread his love of his home and New Orleans tradition to those familiar with the spirited local New Orleans culture and to those who have yet to experience it. So he turned his vision into a company called Box of Care. Box of Care provides a glimpse into what it is like to be a true New Orleans through various tailored New Orleans-themed care packages. These care packages find a way to bring a little piece of New Orleans, Louisiana to locals as well as people across the country who share at least one thing in common, a common passion for New Orleans' truly unique and vibrant culture. Um, I love this. I had this idea. My One of my best friends is... Missing the city of New Orleans. Uh, When we chat, we often talk about which forced uh, party atmosphere city we miss the most. His is New Orleans, mine is Las Vegas. And so for his birthday, I sent him a big New Orleans care package, sort of in the sense of like, oh, you can't make it to New Orleans. Let me send a little bit of New Orleans to you. So If you have a friend who is missing the city of New Orleans, if you have a friend who was supposed to go to Mardi Gras and had to cancel plans, or if you just have a friend that's like, damn, I miss the good food of New Orleans, uh, send them a care package straight from Louisiana, box of care. Uh, And I will drop both of these links in show notes, but... Jack, should we get to our delicious guest and this wonderful conversation? Mm,
0: It's a yummy one, you guys. Let's do it! So yummy, absolutely. So, born in Indonesia and raised in Singapore, Pat Tanamiharda has been a food and lifestyle writer for over a decade, and her bylines appear in many online and print publications. Pat credits her eclectic culinary aptitude and global outlook to her multicultural background. From personal essays to a treatise on soy sauce. She writes about the intersection of food, culture, and history.
1: When it comes to recipes, she especially enjoys pairing tradition with modern day sensibilities. Her latest cookbooks, Asian Pickles at Home and Instant Pot Asian Pressure and Instant Pot Asian Pressure Cooker Meals, Fast, Fresh, and Affordable, were released in summer 2020. That's right. What did y'all do in 2020? Because Pat, she released not one, but two cookbooks. Check on it. Pat lives in Springfield, Virginia with her husband and son. Pat, welcome to the Black and Yellow Podcast. Pat, happy early
0: Chinese New Year. Thank you for being on the Black and Yellow Podcast.
2: Hello Jack and Alana Gong Sifa Thanks for having me on your podcast <laughs> <laughs> thank you So why
0: don't we start by telling our audience a little bit more about the work that you do
2: Well, so I've been a food writer for more than a decade and Uh I've written four cookbooks. Um, The very first one, I call it my first book baby, um, (laughs) is called The Asian Grandmother's Cookbook. Uh, The next is Farm to Table Asian Secrets, vegan and vegetarian full flavored recipes for every season. Mm -hmm. And last year, two more cookbooks came out. Asian Pickles at Home and Instant Pot Asian Pressure Cooker Meals. And um, I would say The Asian Grandmother's cookbook is probably the most representative of the stories that I like to write about Mm -hmm. Um, it covers the intersection of food history and culture because I I really love telling stories through food you know a recipe is not just about the ingredients but also about people who cook the food the evolution of a dish you know the various cultural influences that go into it and so on and so forth and I'm also writing children's books so and, and many of them have food themes in them
0: Oh, amazing that. that is awesome <laughs> i i love that you're able to put everything you know and everything you've learned and share it with the world i think it's so awesome i also
1: um, think that the fact that you put out a cookbook that utilizes the instant pot as the main cooking method (laughs) last year during a year where I think people bought a lot of instant pots because they were looking for like the new, you know, easy to use uh, Mm -hmm. kitchen appliance was brilliant. I don't know if that was like in the timing or if that was just luck, but it was brilliant. And I just had to let you know that because we (laughs) got an instant pot and I looked up your uh, cookbook because of it. So thank you.
2: Well, yeah, I think it was just pure luck, to be honest. Okay. I didn't <laughs> I didn't own an Instant Pot until the publisher approached me to write the cookbook. Really? So, really? Yeah, yeah. So I'm very anti-trend. So I did not want to buy the Instant Pot because I was like, oh, you know, everybody's buying the Instant Pot. It's probably, you know, just a, a trend that's gonna come and go. But it's definitely an appliance that A lot of people love, you know, and it's allowed um, people to free up a lot of time and it's a lot of people who don't really know or like to cook to actually make great meals.
1: Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's yeah. great.
2: As much as I resisted it in the beginning, I think it's definitely a very useful appliance to have in the kitchen.
1: Nice, your love <laughs> for the instant pot has grown. I love that. Yes, it
2: has. It has definitely. <laughs> I use it a couple of times a week myself. So wow,
0: same here. Full circle. <laughs> um, yep. So you mentioned yes. a little bit about the intersectionality of food of culture. Um, so what made you want to write about um, all of those those parts of, of your life?
2: Well, I honestly really couldn't help it. You know, it's just that that. of my multicultural background, you know, it's so eclectic. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I was born in Jakarta, Indonesia to Chinese Indonesian parents, but I was also raised in Singapore. So Mm -hmm. at home, my mom would cook Indonesian food, Chinese food, and even Dutch influenced dishes because Mm -hmm. Indonesia was a Dutch colony for over 300 years. I Mm -hmm. did not know that. um, Wow. And Singapore is a multicultural multiracial society. Um, you know the the main ethnic groups include um, the Chinese, the Malays, the Indians, and the Eurasians. So you know we had the the British who colonized Singapore and then the uh, Portuguese also came through so uh, you know. So, when we went out to eat, we often ate out at the hawker centers um, i I don't know if you've heard about the infamous hawker centers in Singapore, but you know whenever anybody goes to Singapore to visit that's the number one place you should go to try the local food okay. so and these dishes are all an am- amalgamation of Indian, Chinese, and Malay cuisines. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, when I was growing up, I don't think I even gave it a second thought that the food that I was eating was just so eclectic mm-hmm. and, set and mm-hmm. had myriad influences. But when I started, writing about food, you know, I was just really curious how and why these dishes and cuisines came to be and, you know, why there was such a mis- mishmash of influences in just one single dish. Mm-hmm. Now, um, to give you an example, like, you know, one of my favorite comfort foods is a dish called um, pastel panggang. So it sounds really Indonesian, but it it's does. actually, <laughs> very, <laughs> it's very much a Dutch influence dish you know it's like a it's like a a shepherd's pie it's got you know mashed potatoes on top interesting and um the filling is what makes it indonesian it's got um like well hot dogs Mm. sliced hot dogs but this is my mom's version so i i don't know what other people's (laughs) version like but she puts sliced hot dogs um shredded chicken mixed vegetables um wood ear mushrooms And wow. uh, bean thread noodles. <laughs> wow! So, what and that is, that is a melting pot of yeah, cultures. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> very much so. Yeah, and um, you know, and then, then you have the a Singapore Hawker dish that I highlight as an example is um, what it, what's called Indian mee goreng. So it's made with Chinese egg noodles, but it's flavored with Indian spices. Mm. So you know, that's one example. Mm. You know, just the very mishmash wow. of uh, Singapore hawker food as well, mm, right? And of course, you guys,
0: you guys eat it with chili.
2: Of course, yeah. There's of always course. a side of <laughs> sambal with
0: everything. With everything, yeah, always. So, yeah. Yes. Um, I, have a, <laughs> I have a really good Indonesian friend, and she's exposed me to a lot of Indonesian food. But oh, great. she, she can eat chili like chips. Like she just pops <laughs> them in their mouth, and I am so. I'm so astonished every time. I'm like, man, it's it's incredible because because I could I would just be sweating um, nonstop. That's
2: my mom and my sister-in-law. So I am a total disgrace to my Indonesian taste buds because I cannot take the heat. Seriously, I cannot take the heat. Same, same, (laughs) yeah, yeah.
1: Sometimes I feel not black enough because I don't do the heat as well. So like, I totally feel you on that. Uh, In the last three decades, there's been a really big influence or an interest in food history. So knowing where ingredients come from, knowing the origins of the dishes that we like to eat and learning the methods of prep, things like that. Where do you think this interest in food history came from? And do you think that the pandemic has caused us to think critically about the food that we eat?
2: Um, For sure. Yeah. You know, I think um Americans are probably beginning to realize the effects of eating too much processed foods and the environmental effects of big agriculture mm. as well. So, yeah. you know, there's been this huge trend of wanting to eat cleaner for, for the past decade or so. And, you know, what better way to eat cleaner than to look at how things were done in the past, you know? So, Mm -hmm. so like, you know, making food from scratch, using real fresh ingredients and, you know, and we seem to want to go be to go back to the grand old days of our grandparents, you know, and and do things the way they did it and cook the way they did and also, um, you know, the, the next generation of immigrants are, are coming of age and moving away from home, going to college. And they're realizing how much they miss yep. their moms or their grandmas cooking <laughs> or, or their dads or their grandfathers cooking. You know, not to say that, you know, grandmothers and moms are the only ones who can pass down, um, you know, family sure. recipes. So, and so they're all making this effort to learn because they realize when they move out of the house, the only time they get to eat, you know, pop pops uh, mac and cheese is when they go back and visit but you know Mm -hmm. they want it they want to eat that more often because it's such great food for them right so and and for sure the pandemic has given us the opportunity to think critically about a lot of things not just about (laughs) food you know but but definitely i know especially about the what we eat so right you know we can't go out to eat as much and we don't even True. shop as much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people are, are cooking at home more. And I think that's great. That is, I, I really hope that's one trend that will stick around even yeah. after we're all free to go out as often yeah. as we like go anywhere. we Yeah, want. totally. No. I think, so. I think
1: um, those of us that have moved out of our parents' house yeah. and the younger generations also definitely took the fact that having our, our parents and grandparents close, uh, we took that for granted. And it was Mm a sense of like, oh, mom will always be there. Oh, grandmother will always make me Mm -hmm. those things. Oh, wait, I can't now see them. And I, if I want (laughs) those dishes, I have to make it myself.
2: Yeah. (sighs) Okay. Yeah, so true. And, and, you know, ever since I started um, researching for my first cookbook i told everyone and anyone who would listen don't wait to collect your family recipes you know because you know I, I i can't tell you how many people i've spoken to have said oh you know i used to love my you know my mom's dish my grandma's dish this and that you know but you know they've passed away and there's just no way to get those recipes anymore and even though you can try and recreate the recipes you, you never know what secret ingredient might be missing so, sure. so don't wait go you know go out there and gather all your family recipes as many as you can yeah tomorrow's so, not guaranteed well definitely
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, um, yeah you were
1: speaking a bit ago about melting pots and I think living in a city like Los Angeles pre pandemic, Jack and I would just zip all around mm-hmm. town from the East to the West. Now you guys are yeah. so lucky. <laughs> We're spoiled. Totally. We
0: are. I, I, Like kind of how you said you didn't know how eclectic your food was when you were growing up. I feel like Alana and I feel the same. Like if Mm -hmm. I step out of Los Angeles, I'm like, oh, my gosh, the nearest Asian market is like 20 miles Mm -hmm. away. Like I can't even Mm -hmm. imagine what that's like. For sure.
1: And you, you take it for granted when you're zipping, you know, West Side. East side, South, North, and how many cultures you pass through and you experience Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. And I think the ability to experience the melting pot is something that I didn't realize that I missed until sitting down Mm -hmm. to prepare this episode. But I wanted to know, how can we use food to learn about cultures that aren't our own during this time?
2: Well, I mean, food is so representative of culture. You know, like when I used to travel (laughs) (laughs) like all of us you know the the one thing the the one thing I always made it a point to do was to visit the markets you know the wet markets or the farmers markets Mm. and and to try the various dishes that were unique to the culture because I believe that's part of the experience about learning a new culture so you know I think that eating food from a different culture gives us a really Mm. intimate glimpse into you know, how things work or, or just into that culture and into people, because what people eat is, you know, as they say, like, you know, you you are what you eat. Right. So, um, and it totally opens your palate to new flavors and new ingredients. And I think this experience also broadens your mind and your outlook at the same time. Mm. And, you know, you might even realize how similar a certain dish, which you've tried Mm. for the very first time is, to a food that you're familiar with. And for Mm -hmm. me, it makes me realize that although a culture may be different on the surface, you know, there is always common ground to be. That
1: is why this podcast Mm -hmm. exists. A hundred percent. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think so. The theme of this episode is maintaining cultural bonds through food. And, Like you said, you know, from generation to generation, you know, I think certain recipes may get tweaked here and there, but the traditional recipes really, really stay in through the family, right? Especially Mm if um, people do enjoy cooking or, you know, regardless, people always want to want to like Get in touch with their ancestors in that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and speaking of Chinese New Year, um, there it's a time with family and loved ones. We gather, we prepare, we eat cultural dishes, um, we celebrate the New Year. Um, and and this year is going to be slightly different, you know, because I do think people aren't together, um, can't be together, mm-hmm. or far away and travel. So how do you think we can keep that cultural bond alive? Um, this year with so many of us apart from each other?
2: Well, yeah, I believe that food, like language and traditions, is a mainstay of keeping culture alive. So even if you can't be with family, I would still try and recreate the same dishes that you would be eating if, you know, you and your family were to gather together. And I know it's not always possible. And I, I'm, Jack, I'm assuming you're also Chinese. I am. Yeah. I descent. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, when you go for you know, the reunion dinner, there tends to be what, at least nine, 10 different dishes. And if you're a family of three, you can't consume all that by yourself. <laughs> yes. You definitely. <laughs> so, you know, really just, just pick and choose. Uh, <laughs> So you know, just pick and choose your favorites, and you know, pick up the phone, call your relatives, and just ask. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you make this dish? You know, do you have any suggestions of what I should make? Um, I I would suggest that you definitely make long life noodles because yeah. that so you plenty of good luck and a long life. <laughs> we, we had a we had a food
0: episode earlier, so, and I, I that's one of the things I, I mentioned. <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. And and uh, you know some of my friends have been doing Zoom cooking sessions with their families oh. you know like with um with their kids mm-hmm. with their grandparents and it's so much fun you know and it's a great way for the grandparents to see their grandkids and to also pass down these wonderful food traditions and be able yeah. to tell stories at the same time. So, and I, I believe that, you know, just, just by eating these foods, even though you're not together mm-hmm. physically, you'll still be together with your family in spirit. And it, it will still bring back all the taste memories and the feelings of comfort and warmth that, you know, that you have when you're together with your family. So, yeah. And, you know, I, I would also take this opportunity to create new traditions. So um my son he totally loves you know dumplings and it's not something that I used to do with my parents uh, my family but um you know but we, we because it was just so easy to go out and buy them. You don't I have to just like say, slave like, it's probably, away. <laughs> it's,
0: probably, it's probably really cheap. Uh, it's, fast, uh-huh. it's easy. And, and why why would you make it at home and have yeah. the dough yep. <laughs> and the really-
2: So, no. Yeah, we never did that. No. So, but my. My son loves eat, making them and eating them, and it's a great Aww. way for me to spend time with him in the kitchen, you know, so yeah,
0: that's um yeah. That's what we do with I have a little sister, she's eight years old, and we, mm-hmm. we made dumplings from scratch and mochi from mm. scratch, and she
2: she was oh, good how, for you, yeah, she was learning
0: <laughs> how to how to make it and all her dumplings looked horrible, <laughs> um, but they but, still tasted
2: good, right yeah,
0: yeah. but it was so cute, like we were all like, we don't. <laughs> Those are.
2: Oh. Um, so, yeah, this
0: is, it's like, so that's, like, the pivot to the next question I have for you because, you know, um, there's so much of it is tradition passing on, um, and, and it could be kind of hard or guilt-inducing to break, um, especially if they've been in the family for so long. So, you know, forging new traditions in, in an uncertain time, I think, um, I think it, it's probably something that mm. people are also like creating right because we have so much mm-hmm. time and energy on our hands
2: mm-hmm. um, well i you know food traditions language all these elements of culture I believe they all have to evolve with Mm. time and place. There's just no Mm. way they can stay stagnant. I mean, you take, for instance, you know, the Lunar New Year, Chinese New Year. So in in Singapore, when I was growing up, Chinese New Year, you know, Eve and day, uh, it's a a public holiday. So, you know, nobody has to go to work. Nobody has to go to school. But not here in the U.S. So, you know, you would usually gather together on on New Year's Eve to have your reunion dinner and then you'd spend like the next couple of days just mm. visiting relatives but uh you know here in the u.s you know we have to gather on the closest yeah. weekend that's convenient right <laughs> so yeah. i mean that's breaking with tradition but it can't be helped but and you know it's about being practical and not being a slave to tradition and it's about fighting so, for the
1: equality of sure everyone's new idea. year Our American New Year, we get it all. Let's (laughs) fight for Chinese New Year. Because I didn't realize that inequality
2: until you mentioned it. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a little bit tough because there are so many, you know, so many different cultures celebrate New Year at different times of the year. Yeah, that would be like, yeah, hard. Or (laughs) or maybe you could give people the choice, right? Yeah. Which New Year would you like to take (laughs) off?
0: (laughs) I mean, also, too, like, I feel like if there are, like, certain companies that are predominantly Asian, you know, and I was, like, the business mm-hmm. owner or something, I would definitely, like, I would want to celebrate it with my family. So, I would, like, mm-hmm. give all sure. my employees That's true. the day off or the weekend off just mm-hmm. to, you know, and I hope some do out there. I mean, I wouldn't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah.
2: Own I don't know. Do, do Chinese restaurants here in the U.S. take Chinese New Year off? I I don't know. I've never really, so. really I
0: noticed. I think so. I, <laughs> no. I feel like mm. in our culture, you know, work and money still play a very, yeah, yeah, that's a true. very large role. So. Um, and I think if they do, they can, they just, just write it on a piece of note and then put tape on the door
2: or something. <laughs> Close today. Come yeah. back tomorrow. <laughs> Chinatown
1: is always going off for Chinese. Like like Chinatown doesn't stop mm-hmm. here in Los Angeles for sure. Yeah. They're already setting up for some stuff. Um, oh for sure! Like yeah, they've already got flyers and word of mouth things like circulating now about what Chinatown is doing. So, so but yeah, I don't know if, it, mm-hmm. if there's a full stop uh, for Chinese New Year the way that there should be. Right, mm. I
0: mean, who
2: knows? Societal
1: right? goal, thing to fight for. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm throwing it out there to the universe. Very, um, very true. I don't know if you can relate, Jack. <laughs> I'm going to assume not because I do know that you've got your family business. I do know that you love your food and you love cooking. Uh, but for me, I've been doing a lot of cooking yes. since last year, like everybody. And uh, but very little of that cooking has actually been food that I grew up eating or cultural dishes that my family made. So when I found myself craving dishes like red beans and rice and shrimp escoufe and a big bowl of collard greens, I quit. I just, Oh, my god! So gosh. good. Mm, I'm getting I hungry. Realize, you know how to make those things. And you're a 33-year-old Black woman. You probably should know how to make those things. They're cultural. And so there. I had many moments where I felt like I wasn't Black enough because I didn't know how to make these cultural dishes. Or, like, somehow I was a failure to my race. Right.
0: Right. That that I can relate, like not not feeling like I owned sure. up to my mom's amazing yeah. abilities.
2: Oh, we we can never <laughs> reach that pinnacle of success. Trust me. <laughs> I I've been cooking for a long time and I will never reach my mom's standards. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ain't true. But but don't feel bad. Say to someone <laughs>
1: who's dealing with feelings of of not enoughness because they can't make their cultural dishes
2: oh my goodness you know i i struggle with that all the time myself you know like i'm partly chinese partly indonesian i grew up in singapore i now live in the west you know i i have felt not enough in just so 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 many ways Mm -hmm. but you know regardless of how enough or not enough you perceive yourself to be everybody has to start somewhere you know and yeah, like you know i grew up cooking in the kitchen with my mom but when i went away to college i still had to call her yeah. <laughs> every time mm-hmm. i wanted to mm-hmm. make you know my favorite comfort food i got i mean I, our long distance bills were like <laughs> crazy <laughs> i don't even want to think about it so you know and I remember when I was researching for the Asian grandmother's cookbook, too, you know, I spoke to all these women, they were all immigrants, and but mm. they immigrated to the U.S. at different times in their lives. Mm. And, like, so many of them told me that when they first moved here, they had no idea how mm. to cook their foods and i was i was really surprised and i shouldn't have been because you know i was in the same boat too but you know they told me they persevered because they really yeah. really wanted to recreate the flavors of home you know they they cook from cookbooks if they were available they learned from friends mm-hmm. i think when one um woman she i think she's taiwanese she she watched yeah. cooking videos so, so I guess they, they had cooking, cooking shows at that time too. So, um, but yeah, you know, everybody has to start somewhere. So don't, and you know, if, if anyone tells you that you're not enough, don't believe yeah. them because you are enough. Yeah. You are you, you know, and I that's also like enough. I you just said, because so. it
1: sounds like you're also saying to enact your community, like get your community involved. Cause so that's so much of what food is as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. You know, when I was growing up, in Singapore, uh, my mom, she was very active in the Indonesian community. And like at least once or twice a month, we would have Indonesian gatherings and my mom would cook up a storm, wow. you know, and that was one way, you know, the yeah. expat community could yeah. keep in touch with each other, with their roots traditions with their foods so and you know i was really lucky even though i didn't live in indonesia for most of my life my mom she really made sure Mm -hmm. that we we were we knew our foods we followed traditions you know i was not allowed to sleep over at friends houses (laughs) because it was just not done (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You yeah. know, it's just silly things right. like that. But, you know, she just really made sure that sure. she raised us like how Love she was it. raised. Right. So, yeah. Well, what a strong mom. I resented it when I was a kid, <laughs> but, you know. Later <laughs> on, you realize.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can. I can, I can, I can wholeheartedly relate. I, I remember growing up I'm being sure. like, "Why can my American friend sleep over and I can't sleep over?" Like we're in America still. Like, I don't understand it. <laughs> oh, it's the little things. Like I, I totally forgot about that small childhood detail until you mentioned it right now. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, so I just, I just wanted to pivot a little bit because I know you're a food writer. And I, I've grown up just like you. I grew up cooking. My mom's a chef. Um, food has always been – the kitchen has always been, like, loud and crazy and hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the heart of the house, really. And, and everything for us does revolve around food. Um, so I know you said you weren't much of a trend uh, follower. Um, <laughs> but what do you think that the food forecast this is going to be this year? Um are there any mm. food trends that we should be aware of? You know, are people just like either some <laughs> kind of clean trend that's happening? Um, anything we should know about or, or want to aspire to do or make?
2: Well, you know, I have actually been coming across quite a few articles about you know food (laughs) forecasting for 2021 (laughs) so um so i'll share a couple of what i've read and a couple of what i think so um pickling is supposed to be like a a big trend for this year projected um you know if you take a look at the sourdough bread Mm -hmm. baking trend of last year oh yeah (laughs) everyone became Uh, bakers during covid Uh huh. Yeah. And specifically sourdough bread bakers. I mean, that's like, the uh, I think sourdough bread is probably one of the harder yeah. breads to be making. You know, yeah. Like my, my the extent of my bread baking is like banana bread and. Um, Pat, I am no right there That's with you. I am right there. <laughs> <laughs> like, <clears throat> I love that. <laughs> so um, I think that uh, the pandan leaf or screw pine leaf. I, I don't know if you either you have heard of it. Yeah. I so have. it's like a it's a spear it's a long green spear like uh leaf uh, that we use in Southeast Asia. We mm, call it like mm. the vanilla of Southeast Asia. It's, it's used. Yeah. It's like coconutty, tropical, floral, mm-hmm. um, aroma and we use it in both sweet and savory dishes. So, um, there's a pandan cake that I absolutely adore that uses <sighs> this, uh, flavoring. Uh, and you know, you, we throw it into like syrups, cakes, mm. as well as curries and mm. coconut, mm. rice. Yummy. So, and, uh, so, and, you know, I think because of the sure. pandemic, you know, people are not traveling as much at all. And I think there's this huge desire yeah. to travel vicariously yeah. through food. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I never thought about that. So mm-hmm. I think cuisines from far off places might be, you know gain in popularity i don't know maybe georgian cuisine or icelandic cuisine i don't know (laughs) but but i am hoping that you know indonesian cuisine will see it's time to shine this year i am shopping an indonesian cookbook proposal so and this is not my first time i i've actually been trying to sell this since like i don't know 10 years ago, but no publishers were so interested because they said, you know, Americans don't know Indonesian right. cuisine. Right. So no one's going to want to so buy. it. now you're like, the people now <laughs> want to know.
1: And I have the so, cookbook for it. Right.
2: Yeah, that is true. Well, I don't know if you've heard, um, but there was a cookbook that came out last year called Coconut and Sambal. It's, it's an Indonesian cookbook written by a oh, half Australian, half Indonesian chef who lives in the UK and yeah. Yeah, she, she got a full, full page spread in the New York Times. She, the book has been. Like wow. top 10 in, in so there's the New proof. Times, Eater. Yeah, so. totally. People so want all this to know publishers about were wrong. <laughs> I know. So what right. I'm hearing yeah. is
1: last year was the mm-hmm. year of the baker. This year is the year of the pickler. And you better get your Asian pickles at home cookbook or yes. you're going to be left mm-hmm. behind. I mean, I'm just saying. Oh, yes. And then in, <laughs> ingredient of
2: 2021,
1: <laughs> pandan. Am I saying it right?
2: Yes, P A N D A N. Yeah, pandan leaf. You know, you can mm-hmm. probably find it at any local Asian market in in your area, mm-hmm. and probably lots of desserts that are made with it too. So look yeah, out we for ha- it. We
0: have a fairly big like oh. um, like Vietnamese people use it mm-hmm. um, in the desserts. Yeah. We have like a big have- Vietnamese like population, or at mm-hmm. least like stores, restaurants, like. Um, that you can you sure. can probably also find like desserts with them in there um
2: mm-hmm. if you're in- oh and the thais mm. have um, this dish called pandan chicken so they wrap mm. pandan leaves around pieces mm. of chicken and they deep fry it oh my gosh it's so Ooh. good so yeah not i haven't seen it on restaurant menus very often Ooh. but if you do yeah. order it it's so good
0: Mm. Yes. I wonder if, I've, if i wonder I don't if I've had it before, but
2: but they the whole leaf gets fried. Yeah, so they okay. they just tear it into thinner oh. strips and then they oh. wrap it around the chicken. I see, I see. And sure, then okay. they deep fry the whole thing. So I mean, you don't eat it, but you know when you when it's served to right. you, you you unwrap I uh, wrap it. What say about the trend yeah. forecast, the Because leaves, I do yeah.
1: think that we tur- mm-hmm. we are turning a new leaf in American culture where we don't just want food that we could easily understand and easily make. Like, I think that we sort of fell into that with like, everyone likes to make mm-hmm. Italian food, need Italian food. Cause pasta is an easy concept to sort of like <laughs> prepare. I think that people do want mm-hmm. the difficult dishes. I think people do right. want to actually use food as a vessel to learn as opposed to just a vessel to eat and make us feel comforted. So I, I, I'm with you. I think that your food mm-hmm. forecasting is awesome. And I really hope you get that book proposal. And I hope it's a New York Times bestseller because that <laughs> sounds like a badass idea. I'm just saying. Got to say. Yeah.
0: Thank yeah. you. Right. Yeah. I love what you said sure. about because we can't travel and because there are people who desire to travel and want to travel. I think, like you said, I never thought about traveling to other places vicariously through food. Um, and I think that's a beautiful way to open up the doors to experiment, to try new things, to try Indonesian food. If you've never tried it, try Ethiopian food. If you've never tried it um, mm-hmm. and, and just like, you know, open up your palate, open totally. up your mind and maybe you'll feel transported. I will tell you, I've um, never yeah. thought about
1: Georgian cuisine <laughs> until you mentioned Georgian cuisine. So thank you for shining a light in that blind spot. Of
2: mine. <laughs> you know, there is actually a really Awesome Georgian restaurant here What's in the DC called? area. Them, yeah, the food is so good. So wow. yeah. Supra. Ooh. Supra. Yum. That's what okay. they're called. S-U-P-R-A. The yes hopefully Supra's doing takeout. Get on it. Um,
1: uh, so our final question of the <laughs> For any of our listeners who are novice home cooks. Who want to cook their cultural cuisine but don't know where to start or feel overwhelmed or ill equipped and ill equipped, however you want to phrase it? Um, <laughs> what advice do you have for them? Hmm.
2: Mm. Mm. Don't overthink it. You know, mm. just just do it. You know, get a recipe whether it's from the internet or a yeah. cookbook or a family member or a friend and it's totally okay to put your mm. own spin on it i, you love know? I do it don't all overthink it i
1: do think that people so, think when we think of cultural dishes we think they're hard we psych ourselves out and we're like mm, let's just get take out instead
2: hmm
0: yeah Right. I, and I like the idea of putting your own spin on it because I feel like I have my mom's voice. Like you're doing it wrong. That's not the right way. That's not how I taught you, you know? And I am like, ah, <laughs> so that, that's really good for us. Like children of immigrants who, you know,
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it's a good thing. My mom is like, um, I don't know, 3,000 miles away. Right, so I was going to say. On the west, yeah. <laughs> She's in Seattle, okay. so I'm in D.C. Right. <laughs> but
1: that helps. Okay, helps are you ready bit. for rapid fire
2: questions, Pat?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, we just want to listen to okay, more about I'm you when ready. you're out of the kitchen. So answer the first thing that comes to mind. There are no wrong answers in this section. Okay, here we go. Favorite cookbook.
2: Okay, all right okay oh i love that answer yeah the internet favorite chef
1: <laughs> great best piece of cooking advice you've my ever mom seen. book that left a lasting taste impression. as you go
2: oh um wonderful the wishing tree series question. by enid Blyton. what is your
1: last meal on earth you can pull out all the stops everything <laughs> we want to know
0: <laughs> it could yeah. be a, some seven. Some people have done seven courses. Whatever
2: you'd like. Oh my gosh! So all right, my so, favorite comfort no, foods cooked uh, by my uh, mom. How about to, that. But, but do I have to name no them pressure. all?
1: Okay. <laughs> What's a recipe you cannot. Stop no, it's okay.
2: Cardamom Ooh, banana yum, bread. Okay. Oh my god, it's so good!
1: I'm
0: gonna have to try that because I I make banana bread all the time, but I don't make it with cardamom.
2: I was well, you know. I actually just improvised the recipe that I've been making forever. Uh-huh. I just added a little bit of cardamom, ground cardamom, to it, and then I sprinkle some turbinado sugar on the pat, top so it gets would a little send crusty. Us that right. we'll yeah. Drop yeah. Yeah. it in so show good. notes.
1: Yeah, so. we would love to have a personalized pat.
2: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Pat
1: recipe on this episode. Exactly <laughs> right. Original um, pat recipe.
2: Perfect. What ingredient that you wish people? I will do that. More? Yes. Got it. What's your dream travel destination? Handan Leaves.
1: Mm. (laughs) I'll second you on that. Totally. Morocco. What's the last purchase that you made that really excited you?
2: I know this is really silly but it's like a one-handed salt grinder. I used to have a battery operated one and I got so frustrated with it because I was changing the batteries out like every six weeks or something. Wow. So, so, yes. So,
0: (laughs) Yeah, how does, how does yeah,
2: that it's, work? It's just like, yeah, it goes up. You, you just use your thumb to go up and down grinding it. It's just, it's really it's small and it fits in the palm of your hand. Ah, so. I like that. Because
0: yeah, like if you're like stirring, you just want like you don't want to have to like uh-huh, chop, yeah. put your spoon down or your chopsticks yep. or whatever. And and yep. if you don't invest don't know, in it, sure. let me know I so I can
1: buy it for you myself. as a gift. Mm-hmm. Either way, we've got to get one in your hand. Um <laughs> <laughs> and then final question. Yeah,
2: yeah. Bad days.
1: <laughs> we all lived through last week, bad week. We all have them. What is your remedy?
2: Mm-hmm. A romantic period piece I'm in the style of through, Jane Austen. Have you watched Bridgerton? Oh my gosh! I, I've oh my I, gosh!
0: I, I binge watched it all last night. Like okay, I mean, please don't kill me. I did okay. like kind of skim through some of the stuff that was like a lot of like not so juicy. I just wanted to get to the juicy stuff, and we all know it gets real steamy.
2: <clears> hmm. <throat> yeah. That that will like you know it will just like wipe I all your cares Chandelier away. So <laughs> full on <laughs> yes, but it honestly, fell. it.
1: Yeah.
2: I know. I, know, right? I love Chandra it Rimes, We I don't deserve it. you, but thank you so, so well much done, for being well here.
0: Done, <gasps> <laughs> exactly. Giving, well, us, giving us life totally. during this. <laughs> covid
1: these
2: covid years man i I can't wait for season two already thank you so. so much for doing this thank you for making
1: our chinese new years a little bit happier giving us more hope taking the guilt off for those of us that can't keep up with tradition like thank you all around the final thing we want to say is how can our listeners get in touch with you where can we find you how can we buy your cookbooks we want all the plugs all of them
2: All right. Well, um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, so you can find me at Pickles and Tea, and I also have a. I also have a website. um, So it's it's um, hosted by the Smithsonian Asian Pacific American Center, and uh, so it's a really long. I'll um, drop it in
1: show notes. uh,
2: (laughs) IRL, IRL, I I I URL. But yeah, if you just. Mm If you just search Pickles and Tea blog, you will find me. And, um, you know, my books are available anywhere online. Um, I would uh, encourage you to purchase my books at your local indie bookstore. But, you know, mm-hmm. during these crazy times, online is fine Ooh, too. It. Or you can contact me. You can uh, send me an email, mm-hmm. pat at ediblewords.com. I think you are the first author that has
1: been like, reach out to me directly. Hobby. I will send you my book. I love that.
0: Yeah, that's so true. We've had a couple authors no, as guests. That's great. That's a great business model. Keep yet, it.
1: So
2: that's oh, I know. I love yeah. it when people approach me and ask me ask me if I have books to sell. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always have a stash because I go to like you know food food festivals or book fairs all the time. And right now, I still have some. Um, um, fermentation weights that my friend Mickey made as a promotion for my Asian Pickles at Home book. So, if your okay. listeners want to watch, buy that book, I will throw that
1: in. That sounds really dope, actually.
2: <laughs> okay i know it's i mean she she's a wonderful potter and uh yeah she she was so kind as to make them also, as a promotion i have to say
1: thank I you like for educating me so like and anyone else who yeah. read your latest article about the history of jackfruit it was really really interesting and i i don't i don't know if i've ever even <laughs> thought about the history jackfruit. of jackfruit oh, i don't think i've too. ever thought about it, I talk of it but i've never thought about it oh. so Thank you for that work. I'll also uh, drop that article in show notes. It's super fascinating.
0: Have you you had it fresh? Like only had out it prepared of the, out of the thing, Alana, or have you only had it canned? No. Okay, I have to. You've never you... had it
2: fresh. Oh, you have to. I have to. Like, get, have I ha- to. yeah, I have
0: to bring you like a slice. It's huge. So I, well, the ones that we get are usually huge because we have a huge family. But I'll yep. bring you like a little slice <laughs> next time. Ooh. Or I'll like peel it for you because it's really sticky, um, and I don't know if you'll enjoy that. So fresh is for
1: this. like oh, Pat. Whoa, look what you did! Girl. You started, you created yeah. food geek out monsters, and but what we have to wait now, next like, year, delaying the, the gratification <laughs> process. <laughs> 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 Pat, thank right. you so so right. much for doing this.
0: 100%. Oh, you are so welcome! This was so much Chinese fun. Thank beer. you for inviting me on you you your, your show. Make <laughs> together
1: and we will talk to you you. later and we fingers crossed for your book proposal (laughs) we hope that you get it
0: thank you yes awesome thank you so much pat it's wonderful speaking to you and we hope you have a lovely 2021
2: (laughs) Uh, you too best of luck (laughs) stay safe and sane yeah right
1: It was so great to talk to you, Pat. Thank you so much for being on. Happy Chinese New Year to you and to all of our listeners. We are the Black and Yellow Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Black and Yellow Podcast or Jay and I, we're both on the gram, you know, separately if you want to DM us your deepest, darkest secrets. I'm Alana Webster. However, on the gram, they call me at Renegade of Fun.
0: I am Jacqueline Chung young on the gram. We are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. You can find us there. I always want to say Apple, like iTunes or something. It, that's iTunes. not iTunes. Right. Yeah. Um, I have to like visualize yeah. the word in my brain. Um, so you can find us on there. Please leave the emblem over. for the app. Right. <laughs> Please leave us a little review, a little <laughs> message. Um let us know what you guys think about this episode. We hope you have a wonderful wonderful start to your lunar year, the lunar calendar. May you all be blessed with a fortune and longevity and health and wealth into
1: 2021. Stay oxy, you oxes out there. I don't know if that's like a thing. I don't know. You it's just it's made it up. Stay oxy. Like <laughs> <What> you tell <laughs> I wouldn't use that one. Because you can't say, like, stay monkey to all the monkeys out there. That that sounds a little bit strange. I mean, but, I kind of uh, like it. Keep it oxy. Like, it's like foxy, but without the F. Point. Points. Keep it oxy, you oxes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.